Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process as I figure out ways to keep my own home under control. I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people. People who don't love cleaning and organizing. Um, I all of a sudden, now that I've started this podcast, am um, coughing. <laughs> Can you tell? That was me going as I started. Anyway, so we're going to hopefully, um, I will hopefully remember to hit the pause button for my coughs like I just did. Anyway, um, hopefully this will go okay. Uh, just random thought. I don't usually push um, anymore. The blog posts over um, on the blog, aslobcomesclean.com. But the one that I wrote this week, in case you're reading in real time, is about um, decluttering, cleaning, you know, getting house stuff done when you're sick. Um, with things I thought about last week as I was very ill and, um, you know, just things I've learned from you guys who suffer, some of you, many of you suffer from chronic illness and just what you've learned and how you've been able to implement my strategies. One of the things that is amazing to me, this is a tangent, but it's amazing to me, you know, the uses of the things that I've learned because I learned things in my own home and I did not come into this wanting to be the person that people go to for cleaning and organizing advice. Like that's, Um, anyway, it's just not why I got into this, but here I am in this crazy, strange position. And, um, one of the ways that I'm able to help people is by learning from people who've taken my strategies and used them in their unique situations. And so I do love hearing from people who, um, have, have done that, you know, and one of the things that I hear a lot is from those of you who struggle with chronic illness and, um, are able to say, okay, you know, you broke this down to the absolute basic. Here's how I apply that in my own struggles with chronic illness. And anyway, so I love that. So anyway, that's what this post is about that I just wrote um, this week. That's not what this podcast is about though. This podcast is about, is that a bad sign that I'm already rambling and I haven't even said the title of the podcast. Anyway, I'm calling this one, keep what you want to keep. This is podcast number 191. And, um, I am, talking about this concept, you know, um, decluttering, yes, is about getting stuff out of your house, but it is not in the way I do it and the way I teach it. Um, it is not about, um, ripping stuff out of your house that you, you know, are going to cry about for three weeks getting rid of. Um, that's really, it doesn't have to be about that. And I think that's the reason I want to talk about this because knowing I was sentimental and knowing I needed to get stuff out of my house, that combination of those two things, knowing I had way too much and that I desperately needed to declutter, but also knowing how emotionally attached I was to so many things made me not want to get started because I just assumed that I was going to have to get rid of stuff that was going to cause a huge grieving process. And yes, sometimes I do. And sometimes I have had to, but not letting myself get started decluttering at all um, because I was scared it would mean I had to get rid of something I desperately wanted to keep um, put me in a worse place. It made my house get worse and worse while I was worrying about this. 
you, you know, I mean, my house just kept getting more and more cluttered. And in reality, there's a whole lot that I did and could have done before I ever got to the point where I needed to worry about something that was um, emotionally difficult for me. But I also have realized that ultimately decluttering my house, getting rid of the things I, I can't handle, you know, that's my definition of clutter is anything that consistently gets out of control in my house. Getting rid of those things actually allowed me to keep and appreciate and no longer feel guilty about keeping so many of those things that were emotional for me. Does that make sense? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So ultimately, my goal in helping you declutter is helping you keep the things that you want to keep, but thinking about them in a way that helps you determine, wait, is this something I really want to keep? Or is it something that I feel obligated to keep? Or is it something that I feel like I should keep, or I feel guilty about getting rid of, even though I technically kind of want to get rid of it or whatever. So that's where I come in. Um, but I also want to make sure you guys know as you are doing your Christmas shopping, if you do any Christmas shopping on Amazon, um, I would love it if you would get there through my link. Just go to aslobcomesclean.com slash Amazon. That will take you straight to Amazon. Like you're not going to go to my site first. It's going to take you straight to Amazon and it's going to be my shop my influencer shop. Anyway, and on that, what I've done is I have um, just linked to, and I'm adding to it all the time. I've linked to, of course, my own books, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind and Decluttering at the Speed of Life. Um, I've linked to those, but I've also linked to um, just things that I've mentioned over the years that I love, products I love that for me personally are not clutter. They could be for you, so be careful and be aware of that. But um but anyway, so I just, some of those products that I love, like my favorite Kindle and uh, like Kindle books that popped into my head as being my favorites, but I'm going to keep adding to that over time. So go to a slobcomesclean.com slash Amazon. You don't have to buy anything that I've recommended, but if you go to that page and start on that page at Amazon, um, every purchase that you make of anything, whether I've linked to it or not, if you come to it from that page, um, it supports this show little teeny tiny profit doesn't change. I mean, little teeny tiny portion, but it doesn't change the um, price for you that you're paying anyway. So, okay. All right. So let's talk about keeping what you want to keep because that's the goal, right? <clears throat> and again, I'm so sorry. I did not mute that cough. Um, the decision-making is the struggle. So, you know, I've come to realize, yes, decluttering is physically difficult. It is. It's physically difficult. That's what that post about, you know, decluttering when you're ill basically deals with. But the hardest part of decluttering is actually not the physical toll that it takes, even when it takes a physical toll, but it's the 
the emotional toll and the decision-making toll. The decision-making is what is so hard. And that's the reason to procrastinate, which is, you know, and the emotional side of those decisions, that's where it's so difficult. So that's why I have removed decision. No, I haven't removed decision-making. I've removed emotions from my decluttering process. Okay. So like in decluttering at the speed of life, I have my five-step process. I've shared all of those steps here on the podcast at some point or another, but in the book, they're all in a nice little, you know, instructional way. But though each of those, um, steps, they never depend on emotions because if I depend on emotions, I'm going to keep everything. Well, I can't keep everything. That's the whole point. Okay. So how do I use this process to help me make these non-emotional decisions? And yet sometimes I think of it that way and go, well, then that's going to mean that I can't keep such and such, but I can, I can keep whatever I want to keep, but I can't keep everything. So these process steps, and I feel like I'm not making any sense. These process steps help me look at the item in a way that, that lets me remove it without emotion. Okay. Let's see. All right, let's go. Um, okay. So knowing ahead of time that the goal of this decluttering process is not to rip things out of my home that I really, really, really want to keep knowing that that is actually not the goal. The goal is instead to embrace the space that I have embrace and, and put things in it in a way where it can actually function. That's really the goal. Okay. But knowing that I'm not going to force myself to get rid of something that I desperately want to keep, um, helps me get started because I have issues with not wanting to be, um, told what to do. (laughs) Anybody who knows me knows this. Um, so, you know, I don't consider myself a rebellious person. I'm really actually kind of a rule follower in a lot of ways, but if I don't, if you tell me I have to do something that I just really do not want to do, I can dig my heels in pretty good. Okay. And that rebellion is often what keeps me from getting started. And so going ahead and saying, listen, this process is not going to be Dana about, um, you know, you getting rid of stuff you really, really want to keep. And that makes you want to sit on the floor and pout. Okay. If, If that's not what this process is about and going, Oh, that's not what this process is about. It lets me get started. Okay. Um, you know, a dread of, of that feeling and experiencing that. Um, yes, it may be part of the process. I'm not acting like, Oh, you're never going to have to get rid of something you don't want to get rid of. And you're never going to have to get rid of something that's going to hurt to get rid of. That's not what I'm saying. But knowing that if you ultimately want to keep something and this process is going to help you really figure out if you actually want to keep it, knowing that if you want to keep it, you can keep it. Um, gets rid of some of that rebellion, gets rid of that dread of experiencing that grief feeling and that hurt. Um, and so it lets me get started. Um, okay. So the main two questions here are, does it have a home? 
All right. Now I am not asking this as the person who also says the super world's most annoying phrase, honestly, is um, a place for everything and everything in its place, you know, because I was always like, well, I don't have a place for everything. There is not a place for everything. Um, it was a long process for me to understand the container concept to understand. Okay. So, um, (laughs) things are clutter if they don't have a space in my home, but I had to understand the whole realities of space and filling up the space with my favorite things first and blah, blah, blah. But, um, but this is the key right here is I can totally keep it. If I want to keep it, I can totally keep it, but it has to have a home. So it can't just be on top of a pile shoved back behind the dresser, whatever, because then I have to ask myself, why am I wanting to keep this and have it be on top of a pile or behind a dresser. You know, I mean, like that, that doesn't make sense when I stop and think about it. And so I asked myself, okay, does it have a home? Well, the way that I find a home for it is to ask myself the question, the first decluttering question, which is if I needed this item, where would I look for it first? Okay. So, you know, that, that is how I find the home. That's how I know that it has a home. And that's how I get to keep it. So if I ask myself that question, um, where would I look for this first? The first place where I would look for this item that I'm so desperate to keep that I can't possibly get rid of it. That's its home. Okay. And then when I take it to that home of, let's say that, honestly, I would look for it in the cabinet above my washing machine. I mean, you know, like, let's just be honest. I desperately want to keep this. That's where I would look for it. I go to that space and I say, is there space in this place where I would look for it? And that's when I take the item there and I go, okay, I would look for my extra huge, um, gumbo pot that I don't make gumbo that often, but when I make it, I need this huge pot and I don't need this huge pot for anything except for these huge, crazy, excessive fun, but I do want to make them every once in a while meals. Um, that pot right there, I desperately want to keep it. If I go through the, how many times have I used it in the 20 years that we've had it and all this, I might, you know, those questions might say I needed to get rid of it, but I want to keep it. So where is the place where I would look for it first? Well, I would look for it first in the spot about in the cabinet above my laundry room. Why? I have no idea, but that's where I would look for it first. And so that's its home. Okay. And when I t- go to that home, if that home doesn't have space for it, then I have a choice. I can either get rid of this item that I really want to get rid of, or I can look at the space and go, okay, what in this space can go so that I have room to keep this thing I desperately want to keep. And when I do that, I look up there and go, oh, that's the furniture cleaning kit for furniture that we got rid of four years ago. Oh, well that actually I can get rid of. And I didn't necessarily see it before because I thought, well, this is where I keep furniture cleaning stuff. And so, but over the years, it's built up other little things in there that when I really stop and think I only have X amount of space and I really want to keep this item that I would look for first in this space, then I go, oh, oh, well, of course, yes, I can get rid of these things 
four items from here and maybe that makes space for this pot that I desperately want to keep. Okay. So the two things are, does it have a home? And you find the home by asking where you would look for it first. And is there space in that home, in that place where you would look for it first? And here's the crazy thing that happens. When I, let's say I go to that same cabinet and it's, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of something because I'm, I've thought of it before. And yes, that's exactly what happened for me. I went, wait, this is furniture stuff for furniture. I don't have anymore. Um, but let's say I go there and there's already another, um, pot. I don't know. There's my grandma's pot that is almost as big, but not quite perfect. That's actually in my regular kitchen. But anyway, let's say in the hypothetical world that I go there and there's grandma's pot almost as big, not quite perfect. I would really like to have both, but I can't keep both of them. And so I look at this space and I go, this is where I would look for it first, but there's simply not enough space here. And the thing that's in here is not something I'm willing to get rid of to keep this. And then it loosens that sentimental hold on this because I go, you know what? I can make gumbo in grandma's pot, cooking pot, not like, anyway, sorry, kids. Um, but I do that and it changes my view of that. Okay. Because I let the container be the deciding factor and not me and choosing one thing over another. Instead, it's like, okay, well, if this space can only fit one, I want to keep this one over this one. So it either loosens my hold or I say, okay, I'm willing to get rid of something that's in here in order to make the space. Make sense? Okay. All right. Let's talk about our first sponsor. I love the sponsor. Holiday shopping is here, you guys. (coughs) Sorry. I didn't quite catch that cough in time. Anyway, holiday shopping is here. If you are shopping for a grandma, grandmas love photos of the grandkids and photos of the grandkids that are big and gorgeous are total grandma pleasers. You have got to check out canvas people. Since the first time that I did an ad for them, I have ordered several more things from them on my own using my own money. Canvas people prints your favorite memories on canvas and then turns them into unique works of art that add a beautiful touch to your home. Flip through your phone and look for that vacation photo where your kid was at her happiest. You can turn that into a piece of art. I have created a folder on my phone called Canvas People. So when I take a random photo that turns out looking amazingly, I stick it in that um, folder on my phone and I can find it quickly when I need it, when I need to order the perfect gift for grandma. Now, as a special, very limited holiday offer, canvaspeople.com is offering their popular 11 by 14 photo canvases for free. That's right, free. These normally sell for $69.99, but for this week only, you'll pay nothing. Just cover shipping and handling. To get your free canvas, text SLOB to 484848. Just pay shipping and handling. This offer won't last. Text SLOB to 484848. That's SLOB to 484848. Message and data rates may apply. Okay, so um, let's talk more now. <laughs> Whew. 
um, about, um, remembering that anytime, you know, remember that when you are implementing the container concept, okay, like let's say it's, you want to keep all your books or you want to keep all of, um, your kitchen utensils or whatever. Remember the best way to help sort out that maybe not all of these items are as heart-wrenching and sentimental as possible is to fill the container with your favorite things first. Okay. So let's say, you know, we're talking about books and the bookshelf is the container. Put your favorite books on the container on the bookshelf first. And by the time it's full, you will have already easily without emotion because you're only working on happy feelings. Okay. It's only happy feelings. Oh, I love this book. I put it on there. Oh, I love this one too. And I put it on there. And when the container is full, you'll have already sorted out which things are truly your favorites. Okay. And which things really are as emotional as, um, you thought they were because they're the ones that went first on there. And, you know, I had somebody ask me, one of you guys, who was super beautiful, just saying, um, asked me at one of my speaking events, might've been Atlanta. I can't remember, um, where, you know, is it okay to get a new bookshelf? And, um, it still makes me giggle that people ask me questions like that, but anyway, but is it okay to get a new bookshelf? Because, you know, the idea is to purge down to the limits of the spaces that you have. Yes, you can totally buy a new bookshelf. If you really want to keep more books than will fit on there after you have already filled up the bookshelf that you have with your favorite ones first, if there are true and honest, I cannot possibly get rid of these books left over and you don't have space on the bookshelf, you can totally buy another bookshelf. First of all, it's your house. Do what you want to do. But... If you do that, the book, the new bookshelf has to have a space. Okay. So it's the continuation of the container concept. So the new bookshelf has to have a space. That means that, um, you know, I'm looking around at my own living room. I've got my bookshelf and I'm like, well, if I was, if I really needed another bookshelf, where would I put it? Okay. That's a space right there, except that that would make it hard to get to the recliner that's near there. So I might have to get rid of the recliner if I wanted a bookshelf. Am I willing to get rid of the recliner to have another bookshelf? I don't know. Or could I get rid of that end table over there and instead have another bookshelf? So it's it's like it still becomes a space thing. There's only so much room in the container of the room itself so much space in the container of the room itself for furniture pieces. And a bookshelf is another furniture piece. So am I willing to get rid of something in this room that would make the space for another bookshelf? If that's the case, great. But it always comes down to the container concept. Okay. And sometimes you go, no, I really like how this room functions. I like the seating that we have. I don't want anything bigger than the end table or taller, I guess, than the end table that's already there. So I'm going to say, no, we don't have the room for that. 
okay, then I'm going to get rid of the books that didn't make it onto the initial bookshelf. See what I'm saying? So that kind of stuff is how the container concept helps me work this out. Absolutely. I can keep all the books, but you know what, you know, what would give me exactly the right amount of space for another bookshelf in my living room? If I got rid of my TV, I'm not willing to get rid of my TV. I'm sorry. I've got teenagers. I'm not willing to do that. It's one of our things we do as a family is watch shows together. Um, yeah. Okay. Now I don't need it as much and it doesn't have that hold on me when I view it that way. Okay. Um, so filling the container with the favorites first helps you determine which ones are the favorites. Um, and then think of, you know, defining favorites. Is this an actual favorite of mine that deserves to be in my personal home? Or is it something I'm scared to let go of? Am I scared to let go of it because of the guilt placed on me by someone who doesn't even live in my house and didn't want it in their own home? Um, that's a tough one, you know, but when you have, when you're basing everything on the container concept, it makes it a little bit easier because if the question did come up, you can blame the container. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a really neat book, but you know, I didn't have space for it on my bookshelf. Oh, well, you've got this book on here, right? Well, I loved that book and I wasn't willing to get rid of it. You know, I mean, it's, it's like the, the container can take the blame for a whole lot of stuff. I'm just saying, right. Um, you know, I was thinking about talking about toxic relationships, but I'm afraid y'all are going to think I'm talking about, I mean, the people who gave you their clutter probably love you and we're trying to do something nice for you when they gave it to you. But you can have toxic relationships with stuff first, right? I mean, and getting rid of an item is actually, um, you know, it's, you're going to live through that. You know, it's better to get rid of the item than to get rid of the relationship with the person. But anyway, okay. Another thing too is, I want you to understand, hold on (coughs) so much for the pause button. It's just too hard to get over there. Um, that it is okay to feel sentimental attachment to things. And I think this is where sometimes people start getting into minimalism and start to feel incredible guilt and then are paralyzed by that guilt. Um, when they feel emotional attachment towards something. Um, you know, when I bring out my Christmas decorations, I'm like, yeah, some of this stuff I just absolutely love. Like I love this, um, you know, these stockings or these special books that I put out at Christmas that maybe are a little bit younger than what my kids are now. I just love them. I just do. Okay. And when you realize that there are some things that the emotional attachment to that is legitimate and real, and that it's okay to have an emotional attachment to something, as long as it's not keeping you from living your life. When you realize that there are some things that I have emotional attachment to, and that that's okay, it helps me to look at which things am I actually emotionally attached to and which things are, am I guilt attached to? 
Do you know what I mean? Where when you just think that all emotions regarding stuff are bad and dumb and I need to get rid of it. Well, then I go, but I really do feel this way when I look at this item, then it makes me think, well, I can't declutter because if I was going to declutter correctly, that's a little quote when I say it like that way. Um, you know, if I was going to declutter correctly, then I would get rid of anything that doesn't have an absolute purpose in my home. Well, then I can't declutter because I know I'm going to want to keep some, you know what I mean? So like accepting that there is a legitimacy to being emotionally attached to things helps you identify that, you know, when I say, yeah, of course I'm emotionally attached to this and it's fine for me to keep it. I just have to find a space for it in my home and give it, you know, actual space and and determine that it deserves that space. When I look at it that way, then I'm able to look at the things and go, okay, I don't actually have an emotional attachment to this. I had a guilt feeling or I had a what if feeling, but that was not an emotional attachment and it doesn't lump all emotions that you have in regards to stuff together. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, all right, let's talk about our next sponsor who is, hold on, let me cough. (coughs) Goodness gracious. Sorry, y'all. Um, our next sponsor is Zola. Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love. And they're reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moment in couples lives even happier. Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, save the dates and invitations, a wedding registry and free easy to use wedding planning tools that you can conveniently manage online and in one place. This saves so much time for couples. Zola would have made my own wedding planning 20 years ago, much simpler. This is the time of year when I got engaged. I was home for Christmas uh, from living in Thailand and I had two weeks to register and make as many plans as I could before I went back to finish my school year teaching. Having a guide like Zola and all the resources in one place would have made things much simpler. Join 500,000 couples who's you've, who've used Zola. Create a free wedding website at Zola in minutes. They even have a free guest list manager. Add your guest to Zola's tool and they'll help you collect missing addresses, format, format your addresses, and track your RSVPs. To start your free wedding website or registry on Zola, go to zola.com slash clean. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash clean. Again, to start your free wedding website or registry on Zola, go to Zola dot com slash clean. Okay. So we're talking now um, about some tough decisions. Okay. So when I say keep what you want to keep, but you can't keep everything. Um, there are some of us who might need some counseling. Okay. If you, you know, I, I address the subject of hoarders hoarding at the end of decluttering at the speed of life. Um, you know, I, I feel like if somebody's listening to this podcast, you're ready to change. Okay. You're ready to either change your mindset. You're moving, you are doing the right thing by listening to this podcast. If you listen to or read my books, 
you're ready to be making some changes. Okay. And those changes may be something that you can do on your own, um, by implementing these things. But if you read it, you listen, you are still completely stuck. It's possible you might need some professional help, meaning counseling. Okay. Um, and one way to, you know, kind of figure that out as you are, you know, we're talking about this. Yes, I can keep what I want to keep, but I can't keep everything. If you find yourself in the midst of something that feels like a really, really difficult decision and you're paralyzed and you realize I'd rather keep an old broken version more than the actual one that works and contributes to my life right now, that's when you might need some professional help. Okay. Um, because, because there's, there's logic here, you know, when you go, okay, I can totally keep, um, anything I want to keep, but I can't keep everything. Then if I find myself saying, well, I'd rather keep this broken vacuum cleaner that I got for a steal at a garage sale. And this is hypothetical. I have not done this thankfully, but there's other things I have done it with. Um, like I think I've gotten a broken lamp at a garage sale and thought, Oh, I'm going to turn this into something really cool. I'll use the parts, even though I've never made a lamp before, but Hey, I'll turn into that person all of a sudden. Anyway. But if I, if I find myself saying I would prefer to keep if I look at the space that I have for vacuum cleaners and I'd prefer to keep this one I bought for $2 thinking, wow, if I fix that up someday, um, it's a super, you know, it would be a super nice vacuum cleaner. I'd rather keep that over the actual working vacuum cleaner that maybe initially was a little, you know, less exciting brand or, you know, cheaper version or something, but it actually works and gets stuff off my floor. If I find myself thinking that way, then that might be when you need some professional help, okay, is, is looking at it that way. And I think looking at the container concept and being able to see the logic, but not being able to move past that, that's where the professional help would come in. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and I, I'm talking about, um, you know, a a therapist, you know, where you would probably go to their office and talk through these issues as opposed to, um, you know, having somebody come in. That's not even necessarily what I'm talking about. If you can have someone come in, that's great too. But I know that sometimes that idea is so paralyzing that it's like, oh, I can't, you know, but you start to see that, um, that, you've got some disordered thinking here and going to a therapist would be helpful there. Um, as a rule, broken stuff that can't be used right now does not deserve space over stuff that can be used right now. And that's actually going to contribute somehow to the functioning of this home. All right. Um, remember to, that one item can bring back the same number of memories and they're all good memories as more and better than a box full of every single item that had to do with that time in your life. Okay. This is something I've seen in people that I've been in their homes and worked with. Um, you know, I went to Seattle and 
helped these guys in decluttering and, um, and, and it was, they were lovely people, but so ready to, you know, deal with this emotional stuff that, um, he had in his garage. He, um, you know, his father was a woodworker and his father, um, had just absolutely made, I mean, we're, we're talking gorgeous stuff, but he made a lot of it in the eighties. And so a lot of it had hearts and, you know, I was, a, I can remember that country, you know, that country look, you know, like these like inlaid hearts that, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful, skilled, amazing stuff. Um, but when I said, well, you know, can you keep one of the tables you know, there were, there were like, I think six, eight, 10 tables. I mean, it was a lot of tables. So can you keep one of them? Can you pick the one that you love the most? And that table gets to be in a place of honor. And because you've actually got space for it when you only have one and that one table that has, you know, it, it brings back all the lovely feelings and memories of your father And all those feelings are good from that one table. But when you have the 12 tables and they're stacked on top of each other and teetering and making you not be able to use your garage and not be able to put your lawnmower in there, well, then you have negative feelings toward the stuff that your dad made. Okay. So it's, remember that it's keeping the one of these emotional items is actually a positive thing where keeping them all is a negative thing if you're tripping over boxes or whatever. So it's, you know, one pair of baby socks, even if it's just at the bottom of your own drawer and you just happen to run across them every once in a while, they make you go, oh, and they're not making life any harder because you have space and, you know, they're teeny tiny little pair. But when you have bags and bags and bags of all these socks, that maybe they wore one time each, you know, cause you had so many, um, you know, then that's a negative feeling cause you're constantly stuff shifting those into other places. Cause they're not actually something you use, but whatever. So remember you can get all those same feelings from one item as opposed to all of them, you know? And when, when he was looking at these, um, woodworking projects in that way, he was able to go, well, this one right here actually is more of a timeless style as opposed to the ones over here that didn't fit his style at all. And then he was able to kind of differentiate them when he was saying, which one of these is my favorite. And then he didn't feel the resentment or the, not resentment, but frustration over having so much stuff in his house. Um, Okay. Also don't forget decluttering momentum, decluttering momentum, is absolutely and totally a real, I mean, I can't even tell you how real it is. It is such a real thing. Decluttering momentum. Don't start with this thing that you desperately want to keep. Start with other stuff that you don't care about. But for some reason, like I said in the beginning, you're paralyzed from even getting started because you think, well, if I get started, I'm going to end up having to get rid of that thing. So I'm just going to put that off by not even starting. Don't start with that thing. Start with the thing, the things, the dumb stuff that you're like, well, of course I want to get rid of that. That's just been meaning to get that out of here and I never did. Just do it. 
throw away trash, get your black trash bag and start throwing away the easy trash stuff. And as you do that, you're either going to create the space for the thing that you want to keep. And now you can keep it and it's not getting in your way. It actually has a home because you've eliminated other easy stuff or you're going to change your perspective on it because you're going to start to experience having more open space in your home. Oh, wow. I don't bump into stuff as much as I used to. Or, oh, wow. It's easy to find things and see things and appreciate things. And so it makes you go, okay, well, then I would really like to only keep the things that I can actually value and appreciate. Um, so start with that non-emotional stuff first. Give yourself the opportunity to build some decluttering momentum, to build some decluttering chops, you know, to build some decluttering muscles, um, because you can not believe me, but I'm telling you it's a thing, you know, it's, it's something that you will get better and better and better at decluttering. And what I mean by that is it's going to change your perspective on this stuff. Okay. All right. I hope I made a little bit of sense. I I'm feeling better. Like I don't feel terribly sick anymore, but I know I sound terrible. So if I didn't make sense, let's blame it on the sickness. How about that? Okay. Um, I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday if you're here in the U S and I hope you have a great Christmas. I've got some, um, things coming up that I'm excited about talking about in upcoming podcasts. Um, but I do, um, want to remind you, about Patreon. Somebody said recently that you hadn't mentioned it. So I want to make sure it's still a thing. I'm like, um, I try to mention it, but I usually mention it at the end because I figure it's only for those people who are in this to the end. Um, but patreon.com slash a slop comes clean. You can become a patron of the show. And those who are patrons at the $5 a month level can join our super secret Facebook group. Um, where I just love how supportive and lovely the people there are. So anyway, um, if you are a patron, if you've signed up in the past and you're not in the group, please email me at a slob comes clean at gmail.com and I will make sure you get added to the group. It's kind of a complicated process, unfortunately, because um, it's a super secret group. So like there's no easy way to get people in the group, but you do have to fill out the form. And I know sometimes people don't see the form. So anyway, all right, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. 